Welcome to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. Yara is the global leader in crop nutrition knowledge and a producer of quality fertilizer products. Grow the future with Yara. Welcome from me, Ken Rundle and Gies Gaskin, Yara's fruit specialist, because fruit is the focus this time, in particular top fruit, which means for us, apples, pears and cherries with some blueberries on top. Gies, it's true to say that 2021, with the cooler than normal April start we talked about last time, hasn't been kind to the country's top fruit growers, has it? Uh, no, no. This year it's been uh, particularly unusual as a year is. Um, late February, early April, we saw very warm weather, which very much started production in certainly in earlier sites and um, earlier crops. Um, and then coming into April, um, it was warmer than a normal April would have been, but it was actually very, very dry. And we had uh, discussion amongst growers, potentially thinking that the, the last time this happened in the industry, we had a very warm summer, which was problematic to, to top fruit. Um, but then May came, and May was literally described as April. Um, it, it rained almost nonstop, and um, temperatures plummeted. In particular, temperatures, uh, certainly nighttime temperatures and the cooler temperatures, uh, generated a lot of a lot of uh, frost events, um, which is quite detrimental to the the orchard crop, and if not the viticulture crop. And then come June, we saw a very hot start, but then a continuation of the rain. Uh, following through till till today. So there's been a lot of damage. And I understand, well, you've been in a few pear orchards recently, and I understand the pictures there is particularly depressing. Yes, it's a bit difficult for pears. I mean, pears, they first of all, they saw a lot of damage from the, from the frost, but actually with, um, with fruit fall that's happening back end of June, um, which is a, nat- a natural um, occurrence in top fruit, it's, it's where the, the fruit tree, the pear or the apple is deciding which uh, fruits it wants to keep and which ones it wants to lose. Uh, in, in a sense of the pear crop, we're seeing fruit fall as high as 60%. 60%. Yes. I mean, it's, it's detrimental from the damage that was caused from frost, but also now that we are in fruit fall, the, the plants are quite literally dropping any, any fruit that they feel is not, they're not able to take forward. Um, and much of the growers are thinking this is a result of not just uh, significant frost, but repeated frosts back to back in the pear crop. And that gives them a, a problem because there's less fruit or fewer fewer apples, fewer pears on, on the on the tree, but they're going to get bigger, which means that they risk getting out of spec. So it, it's it's a balancing job for them. Yes, very much so. I mean, the pear growers, uh, given that they're going to then have to match spec, it's, it's very much a question now of how do they decide to take things forward. Most growers where they've had an issue will reduce their NKP inputs um, quite largely and move to a system where there's very low input um, uh, going into the crop and mainly because they're not expecting a huge output of the crop. So they, they need then to be thinking about um, uh, you know, sustainably growing it and then looking after in particular the the wood of the crop coming out. Um, so, I mean, in terms of in terms of products from Yara Vita, we would suggest something like Biotrack, which would f- support the fruit swell in the absence of the NKP, but also it supports stressed crops. Um, as you say, they are stressed both from the frost and from the fruitfall. And then you would also consider a Yara Vita crop such as Bud Builder, um, which would be used very much post-harvest, uh, all thinking about things like looking after next year's buds, looking after the wood and getting ready for the following year, 
a very much in a sense that, you know, I mean, it is in a sense heartbreaking that the, this year's crop is not where we'd want it to be, but we still have a tree growing and it's going to bring in fruit next year. So we need to think as well about feeding it for the coming year. Very, very uh, pertinent that. And apple growers, are they facing the same problem? Uh, yes, but to a lesser extent. I mean, the English Cox apples actually saw quite a lot of damage as, as well as the pears. Um, and losses in places as high as 40 or 50 percent on the flowers. Um, naturally, those crops coming into fruit fall, there's less fruit there to fall, but what has fallen has only com compounded the issue. Uh, Bramley's, by contrast, only in, in particularly frosted areas saw damage around 30 percent in terms of frost. Uh, but during fruit fall, I would say it's not as significant a fall as it is in the, in the pear crop. So certainly the apple growers have something to work with and they can very much stick to their current M NKP programs um, and look to enhance it with the Yaravita range accordingly. But what about these nutrient and biostimulant program choices for apple growers? What are they? Oh, in terms of apples, uh, a key one that Yara produces is Yaravita Stop It, um, which is used in, in well, pretty much all of the apples, but Stop It is all about preventing bitter pit in apple. Um, so it's the buildup of calcium into the fruit of the apple, certainly making a, a, a firmer fruit and a more crunchy apple, but staving off bitter pit um, from, from the apple crop. And also the, the in inclusion of calcium into the fruit then enhances the shelf life a bit more. And certainly where we've got a crop this year where we're, we're very limited on what we're allowed to lose because we've already had significant losses, then every apple and its quality is is of sig significant value to the grower. Um, yeah, in in Bramley, much the same. The the use of uh, Stop It is is quite important. But to support Stop It, we have also a new product which is Yaravita Actosil. Um, it can be used alongside Stop It, and it's very much about improving skin quality. So the density of the skin itself, and therefore the the glossiness and the quality of it. The other top fruit I mentioned at the start was cherries. Now, they're interesting because of the recent developments in the way they're grown with increasing acreage now under cover. Uh, that has made a significant difference this year? Yes, I think I definitely think the covers this year have, have more than paid for themselves, in my opinion. Um, we certainly see in an outdoor crop, we see significant damage, both from repeated uh, frost events back to back but also one or two of those events being quite severe. Where we have covers in use, the general rule of thumb is that covers will give a crop plus two to four degrees centigrade more than they would have had had they been outside. And when we think back to the, to the um, frosting events, well, they, were, they were frosting events, but actually when you look at them, they were around the region of sort of minus two to minus four, possibly one or two that were lower than that. Um, but where you'd have had covers in place, those would have those would have been protected at sort of zero degrees minus one, which is yes, it's cold, but it's not at a point that significantly damages a crop. It's stable. It's stable, and certainly crop crop covers do exactly that. They buffer out the um, the harshest of weathers. Um, and yes, I think the this year's cherry crop that was under cover, having seen some of them, they're in they're in very good shape. They they're coming pretty much into harvest now 
It strikes me that this is another reminder about climate change, isn't it? I spend a time, fair bit of time talking about lowering emissions and stopping the global warming going on. But at the same time, there is climate change already happening, which farmers are having to deal with, very often facing issues now that their fathers and grandfathers didn't have to face. And this covering is is helping that. Are we going to see more of it, do you think? I think so. I think um, certainly in, in the case of orchard growers, they, they have the opportunity to look across at more sensitive fruit crops, such as the soft fruits. Um, we certainly have seen over the past few years, a lot of the soft fruit production move into covers uh, under plastic tunnels, etc. Um, and I think, as you say, with climate change and looking at the unpredictability over the last five years, um, I think covers are very much an, ins an, an insurance policy against that uh, difference in weather systems. Um, it's, it's effectively peace of mind. And it, as I said earlier, it buffers out the harshest of the weather. And in some cases where there are shade nettings, you could buffer out the highest of weather. But in the UK, really, the issue is both late frosts and unpredicted frosts, um, which are coming in at different periods and, and basically taking out fruit, which is, which is unprotected. We certainly can't go back to the old days of burning oil and getting lots of smoke into orchards just to keep the frost off. That's uh, not exactly environmentally friendly these days. But staying with those modern developments, uh, you were talking earlier about an interesting issue with blueberries uh, and a fascinating harvesting machine that's being developed. But in this case, they're going to have to look at developing the crop, the blueberries themselves, as much as the technology. Yes, that's true. I mean, the, the blueberry crop industry is, is quite an extensively grown uh, crop. Certainly the, the big players would be more the USA and, and, um, and the East. Uh, but there is a good uh, blueberry production system here in the UK. And what we see more and more is the use of this uh, automated um, packing machine, which is effectively you're pouring in uh, buckets of blueberry picked from the field. And the machine itself is then automated in removing the uh, out-of-spec berries, those that are too small, those that are, are flattened or damaged or, or soft in some way, and even those that are bleeding. Um, and the way it does this is actually it, it photographs each and every one as it passes through the machine, which is fascinating to watch, um, and records a digital image of each berry pre-processing it and then, and then packing it. Um, so it, it's in use. I mean, it's not it's not a cheap machine, but it's in use because of the benefit it brings to the grower, which is both in quality and then in, in peace of mind of what's actually been been packed. Um, but the, the interesting aspect from Yara's point of view is we have with some of the new biostimulants, the opportunity to affect the skin of the blueberry. Um, and in this case, we were doing some work with one of the UK growers where we're looking at uh, increasing the skin density using Yara Vitaractacil. And the idea behind that is that some varieties where we, we think of uh, crunch and pop, which I'll come to later, um, some varieties have a weaker skin than the others. And what this means purely for mechanical, uh, uh, mechanical processes is that, that these berries are getting impacted by hard surfaces and then they're either uh, flattening or they're straight out uh, being crushed. And naturally, if you if you pass this type of variety through this machine, the losses are significant, not, not as a result of what happened in the field, but literally as a result of having passed through the machine itself. 
Fascinating. But then you talked about pop and crunch. Yes. Uh, pop and crunch are terms which have come up in the uh, the post-harvest world of blueberry, which is, is very much to do with the, the multiples and, um, and the uh, uh, fruit organizations. It's, it's a terminology relating to how a blueberry uh, tastes. So if you would like, it's very much about the eating experience. Uh, pop, for example, would describe a berry whereby if you put it in your mouth, and you can certainly you can try this at home, um, as, as you crunch it with your teeth, it's almost like the berry should burst and all the juice should come out around the mouth. And we, we describe that sensation as pop. And by contrast, you have the blueberry that crunch, which are effectively you do the same thing. But um, as, as you eat the berry itself, you almost have a slight sensation of a crisp apple texture on the tongue. Um, and as we say that those berries are then classed as crunch berries as opposed to pop berries. And uh, the, the difference in a sense of machine harvesting is that um, if we think about the pop berry, it's effectively a berry which is very juicy, but the internal flesh quality is slightly weaker. And where it's got a thin skin, if it were to hit a flat surface, it would then explode. Um, whereas a crunch one, potentially, even with the weak skin, would hit the same surface and just roll on. Um, so it's interesting how the, the, the terminology for eating is beginning to be thought of in the mechanical process and then naturally into the field and what Yara can do to try and that skin density. And suddenly we're talking about things that five years ago were completely not mentioned at all. It's just fascinating. Yes. Uh, we've covered quite a lot here, Giz, um, but anyone wanting more information on these kind of issues uh, are going to have the opportunity to do so uh, at a particular event, Fruit Focus. Tell us more. Uh, yes, this year Yara is at uh, Fruit Focus. Uh, it's on the on the 21st of July. Uh, we have uh, recently partnered with NIAB Amars Wet Centre, uh, which is an opportunity for Yara to bring its uh, extensive solution lineup from all of the other crops that we work with directly into fruit and begin to bring the focus very much into fruit for, for these product solutions. As we said in, in other podcasts, that there are trials, the trials of the newer products that we have discussed thus far are in the wet center on strawberry. I think the variety is, is Maling Champion. And we're certainly, we're testing the Actosil uh, for shelf life and Biotrack for fruit swell and flower support, as we might have discussed in other podcasts. Um, we also have a new iron product, which is there, which is Yaravita Ferritrack, um, which is looking quite interesting, but certainly come down to the wet center to Froke Focus, and you have the opportunity to talk to John Keaton, myself, uh, we're looking very forward, forward very much to seeing you there. Um, and I think Yara UK stand is located on site uh, 226, close to Niamh and Berry Gardens. Well worth the effort. So to round up then, any final key points to remember before we finish? Yes, I think in going back to the pears, um, with, with the significant uh, damage, it would, it would be more a question of looking at reducing crop inputs and shifting towards a minimal input system based on the crop in front of you and then to begin to think about supporting next year's buds next year's wood on the same tree moving into the winter apples um you know unaffected crops remember bitter pit thinking think about uh, yarvi to stop it and also uh, a look at shelf life and skin finish again with the same aspects of the pears which is to think also about bud support for the coming year uh, so there's a range of products there for helping quality, but at the same time, 
there are um, well-known well-known products like Bud Builder, which will support those buds into the into the new year. And last but not least, Fruit Focus. It's 21st of July, a very much a welcome back for the UK fruit industry, and we look forward to seeing you there. Thanks, Guise. As always, I've learned something new. You've been listening to Guise Gaskin, Yara's fruit specialist. I'm Ken Rundle, and I'll be back in a couple of weeks' time talking about oilseed rape. See you then. Thanks for listening to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. For more information, visit yara.co.uk or yara.ie.